The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles return to the big screen with a fresh take on the characters and a standout visual style. Let's find out how both a new and longtime fan feel about the critically praised Mutant Mayhem. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and joining me as always is David. Do we even have last names? I'm disappointed. I was hoping the word milk or milked would be in the quote. I know. But the movie did it enough for the both of us. Well, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get to all that. This is a movie podcast. We get together. We talk about a movie. We usually work through franchises or maybe a director's filmography. We are, of course, doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Earlier in the year, we did all five live action movies. Last week, we did the 2007 CGI animated film. And here's mm-hmm. the new, newly released CG film with but it's got like other animation kind of on top of it as well it's got it's got a very distinct style so we'll get we'll get into that we'll start spoiler free as we always do we'll give you a warning um but yeah obviously you're probably at least vaguely familiar with what the ninja turtles are uh but that this movie does you know do the backstory explains things uh it does act Mm -hmm. as a new entry point for young kids uh which obviously i think is the goal is nickelodeon and core hoping against hope that this will start a whole new generation of turtles fans um, you say so. against hope, but I mean, every time they've done it, they've, it, the series has gone on for a while, so there has to be some amount of making bank off that. Well, the TV shows, yes, but not movies. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. The 2007 film didn't get a sequel. The 2014 movie got one sequel and then died. So movies, it's not been as hot. It, the, yeah, the animated series, they've, they've consistently yeah. had success, but this is a little bit different, so... Mm-hmm. They're hoping for for a new big success, and I think it's very easy to say, "Hey, they saw Into the Spider Verse. They said, hey, we can do something yeah. similar.'" But when I watched this, just a few minutes into this film, I was like, "You know what? I see why Spider Verse let them know it was okay to do a more adventurous style." But I am actually going to die in the hill that this is a very different visual style to Spider Verse, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's not just copying it. Even, even, don't get me wrong; I think Spider Verse is why this was allowed to happen. I think that's why mm-hmm. they've been allowed to flex their muscles this way, and why maybe the studios saw potential money making because Spider Verse did so well. But yeah, I, I just before we started recording, I was watching back our Patreon exclusive video where we responded to the trailer when it came out. Oh yeah, yeah, and I. I particularly latched onto the one comment you made where pretty much since like the dawn of CGI animation to Spider-Verse, everything was just kind of that Pixar style. The same, everything yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, the, it's the same sort of thing that was like, you know, this is going to work. Some slight and deviations, was, obviously, but nothing too extreme. Yeah, but Spider-Verse was the first one that came out and said like, well, no, we don't have to do it that way. We can do it a different way. And I think that you're right. This movie opened up or spider-verse opened up the door for this movie but it does its own thing it really makes it its own different style yeah it's just something as simple as like when like an explosion goes off like you have the cg explosion but then top of that you have all the little scribbles like it's really rough animation on Mm -hmm. top and it's a really distinct style uh and before we get into where we like the movie i will just say i thought the visuals were fantastic i I thought the animation style looked gorgeous and i was into it pretty much the entire time it was so weird because there's a point maybe like 20 minutes into the movie or so pretty early on where you just forget it's there 
Like it's mm. just, you accept it. It's just a part of what it is. And then only every once in a while when it does something big and bombastic or something new, like the explosions and stuff, do you come back and you're like, oh yeah, they're being creative with that. Yeah, the, the other one that was sticking out to me is every time there was like a, a very prominent light in the scene, there'd mm. you'd be like the little scratches of light rays over the actual light beam. Yeah. And it, it, just, mm. it just had a kind of, and they would, and it wouldn't just be static either. It would sort of change between the frames as if we're watching like mm. an old flickery movie. But it was a really distinct style, and it, it felt like we want this to have the flourishes of like comic books and 2D animation, but because it's CG underneath, we get to do more advanced things that 2D animation couldn't do. For example, in the very first scene, there's a camera move where it does a sort of 360. You can't do that mm. in 2D animation because you, you, you can't like move in a 3D space in the same way. So yeah, right. the, the, the modern technology lets them do that, but they still have all these flourishes on top and this distinct style that felt to me like a cool bit of comic book art. And the Turtles, after all, do originally come from comic books, uh, yeah, even though they're absolutely. maybe more known for you know the animated series and stuff. But yeah, so yeah, visual style off the charts. I'm sure we'll bring up some other little things as we talk about it. But uh, yeah, this is a new version. It's got a new versions yeah. of the characters. Uh, we'll talk about designs. We'll talk about all that. But it does do the origin. These are probably the youngest feeling turtles we've ever had. They actually feel like they're in their early teens as opposed to, you know, kind of just basically adults, but they're teenagers yeah, for that's, attitude. <laughs> that's that's the one comment that I, I made to my girlfriend after I watched the movie. I was like, this is the first time where I feel that the word teenage really applies. Yeah. Like, it's every other time it feels like, no, 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 they're like about to hit 20 like technically teenagers but you're they're adults for all intents and purposes this yeah. is the first time where i'm like no these are kids that are like just barely hitting puberty that's where we're at here yeah so that's very different and we'll we'll talk about all the uh the new things but you know uh, there's a villain plot uh we have a villain called superfly that comes from baxter stockman we'll talk about that Mm-hmm. But without any further ado, I'll just ask a simple question. David, what did you think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem? I could beat around the bush. I could I could do the whole like, oh, well, you know, I really think this, that, and blah, blah. But I'm just going to flat out say it. Best Turtles movie. <gasps> Best Turtles movie. Absolute controversial hot takes coming in with the th- no to be fair i don't care <laughs> be- before before we went to see this the uh the rotten tomatoes score was very promising i wanted mm-hmm. you know it was, it was at like 94 95 percent or something silly yeah. like that it was like okay all right this may actually be really good um i i did pretty much love it uh, i will say there are one or two nitpicks okay. uh you know i'll do i didn't really like splinter uh, well, we could talk about that a bit more detail there. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's a perfect Turtles movie, yeah, but yeah. I think that comparatively, especially, you know, to the Michael Bay ones, to the oh. animated one we just did last week, to even the 80s ones, this is the first one that felt like it really got the soul of what I think the kids saw in the Turtles back in the 80s. That sort of fun yeah. and like being able to just have fun with these turtles and yet they're still cool at what they do also as well. minor correction uh you mean 90s movies none of them are yes, in the 80s. sorry my bad 90s uh, I, I, no, I, was, I see why you made the mistake the cartoon yeah, show the, the cartoon started in the 80s yeah. I, I see why you made the mistake i no it's i yeah i see what you're saying with that it still feels to, to me it feels like the original feeling of turtles though um was a darker vision and i think the first live action movie sort of melded everything 
basically perfectly to me. Um, and I wish the sequels to that went a different way. You know, I think I described what my perfect trilogy would be based on that first movie back when we did that movie. Um, mm. To me, this is not so much like nailing what the original intent was so much as is that I do think it's a very nice evolution into a new version that I can really get on board with the majority mm. of. Um, like I say, I don't really like Splinter in here that much. We'll talk about that in detail, especially in the spoilers. Uh, which yeah. is not to say that I hate everything about him. I, I do think the character arc is a, an interesting choice, and I do think it's nice that he does have one. Um, I just don't think that the characterization has his personality and the oh, yeah. Jackie Chan performance. And I don't dislike Jackie Chan, but he felt like a weird choice as soon as they announced him. And to be honest... It felt weird in the movie. It, you know, it, it didn't quite work for me. But... This is this is far and away the least cool Splinter. <laughs> I, that's... Yeah. I, I will give you that. I, th- I th- you know, I just I want wise Japanese Splinter, right? Mm-hmm. It, that's not to say that it can't be funny. I mean, all versions of Splinter yeah. have had a bit of comedy, right? You know, I made another mm-hmm. funny. Uh, the, the the animated movie we did last week, he was watching Gilmore Girls. Like, there's always a bit yeah. of comedy with with Splinter. There absolutely is. Um, and I think the the story choices made with them here make a lot of sense, but the actual like voice and dialogue that he has, uh, and then some of the comedy bits he has towards the end didn't work for me too much. But the turtles themselves, I enjoyed being around. The animation mm-hmm. style was gorgeous. They had an arc. It's not completely a new arc. There's definitely, but you know, you can definitely see this story in different oh, yeah. forms told through other turtle stories. But it really goes for it um i think some of them sound great the the only like minor thing i would maybe say is that Raphael should sound like he's from brooklyn okay yeah. i'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna say it i want Raphael to sound like he's from brooklyn it's just in my head that's what he sounds like but i i get you know. it in the sense of you know it is tradition it is what we expect it to be the character is yes. but i can't see any in story reason how they could have possibly pulled that off I don't know, he watches a lot of 1993 Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> that explains so much about his character, actually. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of a movie that's mostly Brooklyn-centered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, he just I- really grew up on Taxi Driver. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, like, and I think what what's interesting is that, you know, so the characterizations are there. Obviously, Donnie's the nerdy one. Mikey's the fun-loving mm-hmm. one um leo is the leader i think leo out of the four of them is the one that feels the most nailed to me uh oh yeah as far as like an early story goes where he's trying to be the leader and that's kind of part of his story um mm. raf does have his rage and he does have his but what's interesting to me is they didn't go like balls deep into raf having conflict with leo yet which is not a bad thing because i actually think that's something you could easily save for like you know as they're getting oh, older yeah. their hormones are getting more wacky and his anger comes out in a bigger way as time goes on whereas here he's more sort of like comic relief like angry i would say more than anything i I would say each of the turtles has their own little forms of comic relief but he's definitely he's when it comes down to his anger stuff there's one part in this where um i mean we get to her but april o'neill she has a bunch of like questions for the turtles and one of them is how many people has the red one stabbed (laughs) <laughs> and that's the kind of comic relief that he brings to this where it's like he's got some problems and everyone's just aware of this mm. so now characterizations for the turtles are great uh the other mutants 
uh, which are in there. You know, we'll we'll get mm. to them more specifically in spoilers, I think. But um, the more notable ones that stick out, obviously, Bebop and Rocksteady are the most famous because right. they're from the cartoon. And then the second tier would be Leatherhead and Mondo Gecko, who are kind of more. At least I've heard of them from the comics. I was going to say, I, I knew of Leatherhead. Everyone else was completely fresh to me. Yeah. And then there's a couple of smaller ones that I didn't really know, uh, but I'm sure they're from a comic. I'm sure they're from a deep pool oh, yeah. uh, that I just uh, don't remember or never read. So you know, that's all That's all cool stuff. April's a very different... April's also a teenager, which is an interesting mm. take. This is definitely a very different April O'Neil, uh, who's currently still going to high school and stuff like that. And part of the movies, the, the Turtles dream that they could go to high school, so we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the action's pretty good. The animation style leads, you know, lends itself to a lot of fun action sequences where it feels like we're actually getting to re- really enjoy the action. I feel like sometimes when I'm watching, like, a CG movie, mm-hmm. action sequences feel like this is... It's more about function than it is about actually flourishing. And I feel like right. here it gets to flourish, if that makes sense. I mean, there's... Uh, Probably one of my favorite entire sequences of the movie is the multi-stage fight scene that's like a montage between five different locations because mm. it just does it's it's just playing with the art form at that point. It's like it doesn't even need to be a fight scene. It's just a great scene to watch. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, you know, and we got obviously there's a bunch of kids that are voicing the turtles, so I don't really know any mm. of them. Uh, but uh, Cynthia. Uh, Utrom, who is like sort yes. of this villainous behind the scenes character, it's like the B plot villain. Yeah, that's Maya Rudolph. Uh, Rocksteady's John Cena, uh, which is amusing because in the last live action movie, a wrestler played. Uh, was it Rocksteady? Yeah. I think it was Rocksteady. It wasn't Bebop. Yeah, it was Rocksteady. So mm-hmm. uh, Seth Rogen is Bebop. Uh, Rose Byrne is Leatherhead. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito's Baxter Stockman, which I have to uh, feel ashamed that I didn't notice his voice because I feel like he's got Same. a pretty distinct voice. Maybe he was doing a, a slightly, you know, he wasn't just doing his normal voice, so maybe that's why I didn't notice him. But I think it's also one of those strange ones where Giancarlo has, like, I kind of associate a certain visual presence with him mm-hmm. as well as sort of like this like business suit wearing guy. That was not Baxter Stockman. Oh no, he's, he's he's a. Ex- eccentric nerdy scientist character who's yep. obsessed with what he's doing yeah uh ice cube is superfly and mm, did uh, a great job pro- honestly like one of my biggest laughs of the whole movie was actually on the credits when it just said and introducing paul rudd that really made me laugh that. yeah it, it, it's going through all the all the cast that at least paul rudd to last is and introducing paul rudd yes this 50 year old man who's been heavily featured in movies for the past two and a half decades that just that just strikes me as Seth Rogen as he was a major producer in this movie as just messing with him. Oh, probably. It's just like a running gag between him and Paul. It's, it's probably just uh, this idea that he keeps not aging, so they're just kind of joking that yeah. he's, he's new still. Uh, yes, but of course, his debut is in Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. And mm-hmm. I know that because I'll never forget how awful it is. So, <laughs> uh, yes, there's that. It's gotten better with time. <laughs> really? There is some hardcore Paul Rudd fans. You oh, gotta no, be careful I thought, I thought you meant Halloween say. 6. So, yeah, oh, Paul. no, no, no. I'm talking about Paul Rudd's acting career. Oh, yeah, Paul Rudd's career's obviously gotten better. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, we got uh, Ray Filet, who is post Malone. And, of course, they make him, like, a singer the whole time. Mm. 
uh, Genghis Frog as Hannibal Burris, which I enjoy Hannibal Burris every time I see him. I feel like he was underutilized in this. His character well, didn't have enough to do. I mean, at this point, he's like the fifteenth name in this list. I mean, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like how much left is it going to be for him? Yeah. So, yeah, and then, um, and then for people watching us on YouTube, the only other major thing is that the next credited guy of Jimmy Donaldson, aka Mr. Beast, on YouTube, is Times Square guy. I didn't notice him. I have no idea who he was, but somehow he got into this movie. This is the first time hearing about this guy being a YouTuber, to be honest. He's not the kind of the circles you would run in. <laughs> That's perfectly fair. So, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if there's too much more to say without getting out of the spoilers so we can start going through things. Um, as always, the one thing I'll throw out there, soundtrack, loved it. Oh. Yeah. Loved this soundtrack. Well, it depends what you're talking about here, because there's two notable things. So there's a lot of like notable songs in the soundtrack, mm -hmm. but the score is by Trent Reznor. Which is also great. Yes. It's funny how you always go to soundtrack first. Like, scores first to me. Soundtrack, like, the songs are, like, secondary. The, the score is the important part. I I would agree for most, like, prestige films and stuff like that, but this one had so many scenes that were set to just normal songs, specifically the chase scene, which we'll get to, because I loved every frame of that sequence. But... I think that the songs chosen in this did a great job of putting back in that sort of teenage vibe sort of thing. These are the sort of songs that I would expect to find on a 15-year-old's iPhone or something like that, you know? Yeah. If I'm going to, actually, before we go to spoilers, if I'm going to, like, hand it with any more slight critiques, because mm -hmm. uh, it has, you know, it has arcs for the characters, it tells a good story, animation's gorgeous, most of the characterizations are, are good, even to an old, an old school Turtles fan. Explanator being kind of the exception, the exception, mm -hmm. the obsession. <laughs> uh, I'd maybe say there's maybe just a little bit too pop culture referencing going on. Just maybe a little too much of that. I can see that. I somewhat agree, but I also want to point out the fact of if you look back on the original Turtles trilogy, there was tons of pop culture referencing oh, there was, as well. Yeah. So I don't think that it's out of place. It's just the sort of thing that when we come back in two years, five years, ten years, it's going to date this movie severely. What's so weird about it, though, is that I don't mind when they reference something old. There's a re I won't spoil what it is, but there's a reference early on to an older movie in this, and that felt mm. more natural to me than referencing things that are, like, current. Like, I don't know what it is. There's something oh, yeah. about something already being older where it feels kind of timeless. Where well, it's yeah, it's the survivorship bias where you can reference stuff that has managed to stick around, and it mm, makes yeah, because yeah. it's managed to stick around. It's like yeah, no, that thing's just going to be eternal. Whereas the stuff that's modern day, we don't know what of that stuff is going to be around in five years or so. We don't know if it's all going to be still something that we even recognize or not. Yeah, yeah, it just it feels kind of timeless. It's just you know, it's the reason why. You know, I always bring this up on top of 2001, but Kubrick using a lot of classical music in that, despite the mm -hmm. fact that he was making a futuristic movie set in space, is the idea is it contrasts with the futurism. It's like, hey, mm -hmm. yeah, this is timeless because this is all, you know, and none of it's dated because of that, because it, it was classical music in 1968, and it's still classical right. music now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like he was using the Beatles or, <laughs> or whatever right. was relevant at the time. So... Yeah, all right. So we'll get into it then. Spoilers for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. We'll get into it and talk about it. Um, the movie opens with a 
you know, a prelude set in the past, uh, which yep. does lead into the creation of the turtles. Or you don't actually see it in the opening scene. You sort of get that, you know, this this canister of ooze is going down to the sewers at the end of the scene. So it's like, oh, mm-hmm. that's going to sync up with that. But uh, yep. it's TCRI, not TGRI, which I, you know, I, I get those two uh, mixed up a lot because in the movies, the old movies, it was TGRI. It's yeah. I think it's TCRI in the comics. I don't know why they changed it. Whoever did change it first, but uh, TCRI was changed to TGRI in the '91 film to remove the alien origins of the ooze, because C stands for cosmic. Ah, oh, you know what? Okay, that's a good reason. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Which, but it does tell you that they weren't going to do any sort of technodrome stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um. So inter- that's interesting. Uh, so yeah, so there's like a SWAT team from TCRI coming for Baxter Stockman, who's been making mutants with his secret, uh, you know, lab that he's got in his house. Yeah. And yeah, it's all a big sequence, and he's like basically calling his his mutants, his children, and the fly escapes at the end, and that that goes on to grow up and become Superfly, and that's kind of the the point of the, we, the backstory. We see all here. the tiny little like fetal versions of a rhinoceros and like a warthog and a gecko oh, and stuff yeah you even see like schematics or if you uh, that's the right word but like you know mm-hmm. on the wall there's like a drawing of what the rhino will look like when he's older right. and you know things like that so there's a lot of like teasing here for uh the, the mutants that would be coming later and part mm-hmm. of me was wondering if some of them wouldn't be in the movie i was like oh this is your easter egg and you're like oh they may show up in the second movie kind of thing but nope. now they all show up they all, they all mm-hmm. appear credit where credit's due Mm-hmm. Um, but because this is the first sequence in the movie, this is where like you're really noticing a lot of this animation stuff. You're noticing, oh yeah, um, you know the the lines coming off the light and changing between each frame of the animation. You're you're noticing, um, but I, I don't know how they did this. I don't know if they did like a base layer in CG and then literally just drew this stuff on top. That's what I'm thinking. There was one sequence. I don't know when it happens when we do like a push past this like box truck as we're mm. zooming in towards a shop. And it's the first time I really noticed it is that all of the textures on the box truck stay static. Like they don't change from frame to frame. But as we're pushing in, they're also scaling with the truck, which makes me think that underneath all this, there's just like a blender, basic ass, like gray, like squares and stuff like that. And then they just pasted these sort of scribbles on top of it. Mm. And when it's a thing like an energy source or a light or something, that's the sort of thing that changes between frames yeah uh so we spend the next uh, good 10 15 minutes just introducing who the turtles are what their Mm -hmm. life is like just now and that yeah they're underground they're not allowed to go out except for errands and uh we're introduced as if they're going to do something because it's obviously the movie when it starts off they're not actually doing any vigilante stuff yet but it pretends that they are for a moment where leo's like doing a gruff voice and he's like right team we have to be on scene we have to go do this and then they all make fun of him because they're there to get groceries, but they have to go in and sneak in without it being mm-hmm. seen. They uh, literally make fun of his Batman voice. Yes. Which I did think was a weird choice, given that the live-action movies just made fun of Raph for having a Batman voice. It was an interesting thing to immediately do again. Eh. I mean, you say immediately. It's been like five years. Uh, you know, relatively speaking. Which, by the way, can I, I? this is a good place as any. This movie is set in 2023. This movie is set modern day. Uh huh. These turtles are 15 years old. They explicitly say that. Yes. These turtles were born in 2008. <laughs> Just like really wrap your head around that. 
these turtles were born in 2008. Because there's a scene later on when we show them as like tiny turtles, like infants, Mm -hmm. where they run into a woman who's using her iPhone. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. How could the iPhone (laughs) be there when they're so young? And then all of a sudden I'm hit with that aging at the end of Saving Private Ryan when I suddenly become 80. Yep, 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 yep. That that sounds right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the year Dark Knight came out. It's been 15 years. It's got a... Got to accept it. We're all dying slowly. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Not not to give too much, but uh, within the next three days after this movie comes out, I'm turning 30, so... <laughs> yeah, I'm already past that, but it's funny. It's yeah. funny. It's still funny watching you have to go through that realization. Oh, yeah, I'm going to, like, freak out during our next filming thing, just have yeah. a little crisis on camera. It's all good. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so... No, but the movie introduces that they have to stay hidden from the humans, that they all want to be more involved in the outside world. They all kind of... Because, you know, after they're done with the groceries, it's like, oh, we're, we're meant to go back to Splinter immediately. But the mm-hmm. other three are like, no, let's go do something. This, he doesn't know. He's like, a, he's like a hermit. He doesn't know how long it takes to get groceries. We could go do something else first and then go back. And mm-hmm. they say, oh, there's a movie playing. Uh, there's an outdoor movie thing happening. Let's go watch the movie. So they go and watch the movie, and... I thought this was an interesting. I actually quite like this choice, but the movie's act just the real live action movie. They don't like do any animation yeah. effects. That threw like, me off when it first showed up. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of into this choice actually. But it's Ferris Bueller. The Ferris Bueller's playing, mm-hmm. and I thought this was a really good character introduction because it shows you how out of touch the turtles are with real life. Because they're like, wait, is this is what is this what going to school is like? You can like overtake a parade anytime you want, and they're like, yeah, I think so. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> like literally because all of their knowledge of what being a teenager is actually like comes from movies. Mm-hmm. They have this warped view of what it is, and yeah. I thought that was a really interesting way to set up the, their their disillusionment, but also like partly why they're attracted to being normal so much is because their their idea of normal is actually very heightened and magical and like hey you get to live this kind of life so which i mean really in to. fairness they're even what actually is normal is better than what they currently have like oh, it is yeah. still an improvement regardless oh absolutely but i, I think it sort of makes it this more fantasy thing for them oh yeah that you know it really clicks with with their characters mm-hmm. uh and when they do go home uh, and we're interested in Splinter. Now, I said I didn't like Splinter because I, I don't really like that he's not as wise. You know, I I don't like that he that he sounds the way he does. But I yeah. do actually like this idea that he is prejudiced and scared of humans. Like, he doesn't like humans. He hates mm-hmm. humans. He, he doesn't want to trust them. And it all comes back to this experience where he tried to take the turtles outside when they were babies because they wanted to go outside. And mm-hmm. immediately people were like, it's a rat man. They're freaks. You know, try and yeah. kill them as quickly as possible. And we get this flashback. I will say, you pointing out that they were born in 2008 does make me question the joke of having Splinter with the 70s mustache in the flashback because it's not the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to explain it away in that they only had access to whatever stuff they had. And it's one of those things where, and I love the way they explain this in the movie, is that Splinter says, when I was hit with the ooze, I was already a middle-aged rat. So I became Mm. a middle-aged 
big rat man rat and yes. yeah and you guys were babies so you stayed babies it makes sense if you think about it and it's just <laughs> i i i love that little point there where it's like we know it's stupid but we're gonna go with it but i think it's playing on that idea that if he were actually middle-aged in 2008 he would have been born in like 70s 80s so therefore uh, okay. he would have had that sort of style going to him yeah, I think what's interesting about him saying, okay, I need to tell you this story again to remind you why we don't interact with the human world. I think I like that device in the sense that if you're an old school Turtles fan, there's part of you that's like, oh, do we have to do the origin again? Like, we've, we've mm-hmm. seen this in multiple movies. So I appreciate that even in the movie, it's framed as, I'm telling you this again. So it comes from this idea yeah. of, no, no, we're reminding you of these details because these are the details that are relevant to this specific version. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's an interesting conduit just to make it feel like natural, which I appreciate. And uh, I do I do like how it gets set up. The whole reason that they Splinter finds out is because they all sneak in, and then Leo breaks. Leo explains, yes, "No, yes. we went to go see a movie," and all of his brothers gang up on him for not covering their backs. Yeah, Leo's trying to be the honorable one. He's trying to be the the good guy, um, and. Yeah, I think, like, I don't necessarily mind the idea that after this experience where, like, he almost lost his four children because he's been hunted by humans on the surface, mm-hmm. they, he wanted to train them to defend themselves, and we get this montage of, like, martial arts oh, movies and them reading books and him looking at even YouTube videos of people doing martial arts lessons, and that's how they learn. Half of these videos are just actual people. Yeah. Like I, I think they just typed martial arts training into YouTube and picked whatever they found. Yeah, yeah. Sent an email saying, "Hey, we want to use it for the movie. Here's a check for you know a yeah. couple hundred dollars. <laughs> Sign off, Perfect. please." Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Like uh, this was a fun montage, and I, I do like it. I, I think the only thing I don't like about it is the extension to Splinter not being as wise as he should, as he should be, because right. he is just kind of this schlub who decided to teach himself and his kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, ninja um, I, I, I get the choice to, to move it away from the classic version of the story um, but I am quite fond of like either he was like the man in Japan who had all these skills or he was the pet rat the, I mean well, admittedly that does sound ridiculous he had a pet rat but you know right. like still um, that's like the one change in this uh, from like a, a backstory point of view that I'm not as hot on, but I do actually really like this montage of like seeing all the old martial arts movies and the YouTube videos and them yeah. training alongside it. I do actually think that's a really fun sequence. I guess the biggest problem that it arises is that there's no reason why he would be Master Splinter. In yes. This. it's He would be on the same level as his sons, if not slightly worse because he's older. Yeah, so, I don't think they ever call him that in this actually. They just call no, him they Dad. Just call him Splinter and Dad, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I do miss that a little bit, but, you know, it's a new version. I can accept that there's going to be some differences to the overall idea. Uh, it's yep. just the only change that I think I would have, like, ah, I, I still think I'd have liked him to be, you know, Sensei Splinter. Mm-hmm. And, like, the idea that maybe he knew some of this from being around a human who did it and then, like, still made the choice to def- you know, teach them for the same reason, still have the scene where, you know, they almost get hurt or killed and he's like, okay, we have to defend, be able to defend ourselves against the humans. I'm going to pass on these things that I know. And that's yeah. still the motivation, but, you know. There was there was a whole thing where he was more or less a cognizant rat in New York. And he, like, everything was trying to kill him, more or less. And that's why he yeah, yeah. was so fearful. I, they easily could have worked in a bit where he, like, 
you know, his little nest or whatever he had was outside of like a karate dojo or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting though, because in the sequels, eventually, you know, if and when we're in spoilers, so the yeah. the mid credit scenes exactly what you think it's set up. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> like, so they're doing the mid credit scene. There's a few little comedy bits, but then at the end of the mid credit scene, like the evil TCRI woman's like, ah. Oh, uh, Colin, like not him. Yeah, Colin, him. Colin, the Shredder. And you just see like the the bit over the shoulder shot of Shredder looking at New York. And I'm like, yeah. f yeah. Like, to see if I was in an audience, like full of nerds, I'm sure that they've been cheering and like stuff. Oh, yeah. But it was a bunch of kids and like parents and. Okay, whatnot. can I just can I just real quick if we're talking about the theater? Can I just share my experience? Here because, we go. <laughs> well, it's not a bad one. I just felt so strange. In that, so I went into the theater maybe like 15 minutes before it started, bought my ticket, because it was midday on a Monday. There was no way anyone was going to show up. Um, but there were three seats already taken. I mean, you say that, but it's summer, right? Like, the kids are yeah, off school. Yeah, it is. Well, that's what I was saying. There were oh. three seats already taken. So I was like, okay, no problem. Like, probably just, you know, someone and their kids. So I got my seat for the front row, and then I sat down 10 minutes whoa, before whoa, whoa, whoa. you chose the front row i chose the front row why it wasn't as close as it has been like this was a this was a theater where it gave a bit more leg room okay okay anyway um so i i sat in the front row i looked behind me no one else was in the theater yet so i was like oh you know they must just be at the snack bar or whatever they'll come in eventually movie starts go through the whole movie at the very end as the credits start up i sit up i stretch i turn around theater's empty except for one usher who's staring at me because i'm the only person in there and i'm like uh i have to wait for the mid-credits scene so <laughs> yeah i didn't know there was going to be a mid-credits scene i just had a feeling that like this feels like the movie that may have one because mm-hmm. especially since i know they can tease either shredder or crying oh, yeah. or something they can tease anything they want here and it was shredder it was the obvious one but the reason why i was bringing that up is that by having this backstory for splinter there's no connection in their backstories between Splinter and Shredder like a lot of other adaptations have. So I'm right. curious like how that'll play out. I kind of it's kind of nice not having it there to be honest because it is just kind of like uh, whatever. But it, it does you know it does and I, you shouldn't think of this too seriously. But it does sort of raise that question of okay they're all sort of self-taught. So it's like oh, and Shredder's actually going to be this like badass like you know ninjutsu mm-hmm. warrior. Like, if anything, it should make it more uplifting and, like, fulfilling if, like, Leo or one of the Turtles is able to actually, you know, fight him. Yeah. You know? I mean, I guarantee you, because it wasn't too much in this movie, but I guarantee you that the whole thing's going to be the, oh, they try to fight him individually and he's just too strong and then through the power of family, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Hell, maybe he'll even kill Splinter by the end of the movie. That's possible. If they, I mean, if they want to do an Empire Strikes Back and do like yeah. the, the dark ending before the third one, because they've already been like the sequel, that. by the way, that's already happened. Oh yeah, no doubt. And they're doing a cheaper like animated series for two seasons between movies that will bridge the gap apart. Which, funny enough, given the way this movie ends, I'm like, okay, I get what that series is going to be now. It's going oh, to, yeah. It's going to be Turtles going to high school, and that's just going to be the sitcom that they're going to do for two years. It's it's going to be straight up the thing where it's superheroes by night, high schoolers by day. Yeah. Uh, but anywho, uh, so so back to where we were. So they did all the backstory. Mm-hmm. We learn all that stuff, and it's like, okay, the turtles are all sad about it, but they go to bed, and they're like, damn, we're never going to get to be in the real world. And obviously, if you if you're if you've listened to all our reviews for the other movies, you know the, the second live action one from you know just a few years ago, 
did sort of like play on some of these themes it was this mm-hmm. idea of wanting to integrate into the real world but the humans won't accept us it's an obvious you know step in analogy for any kind of outsider uh whether yep. it be because uh you know you're a minority or or maybe even something in the case of mutants more specific like maybe you have you know like uh, I don't want to say defect necessarily, but it's something that makes you individually different from everyone else. Maybe you've got yeah. a medical condition where your face is different from everyone else. You know, something that... Right. You know. And that is that is one thing I do want to point out with the art style of this movie, because I think it was a fantastic choice, is that the mutants and April are the only characters in this movie who have, like, what I would consider symmetrical faces like they are normal looking all of the other human characters have like this weird lumpiness to their face (laughs) that just makes them slightly more off-putting and ugly looking which i think works great for the idea of what the movie's saying is like oh well these mutants are outcasts whatever like that but from our perspective they're the ones who are actually like pleasing to the eye Mm. and the humans are the ones that are a bit more off-putting and dangerous looking yeah that's fair uh, and obviously that also extends to the other mutants because even like superfly like you know he's very lopsided as far as like mm-hmm. what side has like a bigger arm or or whatever yeah. um and that's the other thing we sort of learn around here is that there's a crime wave going on some super villain named superfly stealing a bunch of stuff specifically from places like tcri he's clearly mm-hmm. building something that he's stealing all this like uh science tech for and whatever yeah. So we get, we get like a little siege sequence where he flies like this armored truck away. Uh, you, you get a good look at him. You just see, see the wings fluttering above the, you know, they, they save the reveal for what it looks like until later when the turtles meet him. But yeah, um, that's the whole thing. But you uh, get that he is not a normal person because when the normal people see him, they're like, yeah, oh, Jesus, what the heck is that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, the movie, like, you know, you know, obviously, this is always a bit more of a challenge when it's a movie we saw in the theaters, and it's been a day for me, two days for you mm-hmm. to get the exact timeline, so forgive us if we're going a little out here, but uh, I, I guess the next big thing is to talk about the meeting in April, right? Yes, this is, they, they got grounded for a month, they finally got ungrounded here, and now they go out to go get more supplies. And they are simply, and actually, something we should set up for later is that mm-hmm. One of the things Splinter says to them yes. is that he's, that he's scared that if they ever get captured, they'll be put in a lab, and he specifically says that they'll be milked. To which yep. the turtles say, we don't even have nipples. And it's this running thing when they, they say this again to April, and they're like, why does he keep thinking we're going to get milked? We're not going to have you know nipples. And it comes mm-hmm. up again when they speak to the mutants. It's like it's not even the rule of thirds. They say it like four or five times. And then when they do actually get captured by TCRI, and they're hooked up to this machine, and she's explaining, I want to make more mutants. So I'm going. there's only one way to do that. I'm going to have to take your blood and like use it. And then the turtles look at each other and go, wait a minute. Is she, is she going to milk us? And then, Behold the Mega Milker <laughs> 2000. And, uh, okay, I guess it's technically milking, but it works for the joke. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes, uh, them constantly talking about being milked was like an absurdly, like, just slightly adult joke to me because it just sounds mm-hmm. a little dirty, like, the entire time. Yeah, it's the sort of thing where as a kid, you feel like it's this naughty thing where you're like, oh, ho, ho, tee hee. But then as an adult, you realize, like, okay. <laughs> but it's still like funny the way that they deliver it each time yeah yeah every every time it's funny 
so that that's a running thing throughout the movies the uh the, the like them just little laughing off this fear of being milked only to actually be milked at one point <laughs> later yeah. in the movie it's uh good stuff so yeah basically they're just messing around with their weapons uh, and this is the thing by this point in the movie you've realized oh they've never actually been in a fight with humans before or anyone nope. for that matter they've only trained together and they've never really used their weapons so they're mm. actually practicing with their weapons by making dumb videos of cutting up melons um and then you know raf's going to use throwing stars mm. on like one makey's holding and this is how they meet april because the throwing star misses and hits her like bicycle helmet right and she gets knocked mm. off her, her little scooter and they're like looking over the edge and she's like really mad and she's shouting up at them but as this is happening some thug sneaks up behind her and just steals her scooter yeah. uh, and the turtles feel responsible leonardo's like look this is our responsibility we did this also leo's got the hots for her that's another thing i was gonna mentioned. say we gotta bring that up yeah yeah he, he's like uh you know a kid in a like a, a, a teen rom-com like ferris bueller he's, he's got the eyes i mean he doesn't yeah. actually literally do the, the eyes turn into hearts but that's what it's like when he's looking at her yeah, there's there's a whole thing where he's like, look, she got her scooter stolen because of us, because we distracted her, and now we have to go save that beautiful, perfect woman's scooter. <laughs> Which is interesting, because I don't feel like in all the Turtles things I've watched, I don't know how many of them have ever really tackled the idea of the Turtles wanting a romantic connection with a human before. I mean, the only thing I remember is that Mikey occasionally just hit on her, but it never seemed like it was serious. Yeah, yeah, he would he would sort of talk like she's pretty and whatever, but yeah, yeah. we never felt like he was actually angling for anything. Whereas this was more like, oh no, this is like hormones kick in, which would suggest that all four of them at some point are going to feel the longing for a relationship. And it's yeah. even something that comes up with Splinter later, which is funny at first, but all the actual stuff with his like relationship later is also... Like, it's part of the Splinter stuff I didn't like. <laughs> That's fair. It comes out of nowhere, and it's very strange, but yeah. it's uh, something, I guess. I, I, I guess, like, other than the, the actual backbone narrative with Splinter, which is that he fears humans, he doesn't want his turtles to go out there, but then obviously by the end realizes, no, 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 they want that, so he should want them to be happy. You know, there's an arc yeah. there from That arc is actually perfectly fine, but other oh, yeah. than that, he is played purely for comic relief. And mm -hmm. I think that's what I don't like about him. I think there's just, you know, you can have comic relief with Splinter for sure, but you need a bit more of the uh, the, the wise uh, father figure yeah, in there. that's the thing. In this, he's the bumbling dad instead of yeah. the wise figure. And that's, you know, it's a different character. It's a different take, but it is something that, as a longtime Turtles fan, I, I get why you're upset about it. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, so our first big action sequence is they they chase the scooter guy to this this garage, right? This uh, mm -hmm. or garage for uh, the Americans, and they they come in uh, and they're in shadows at first or whatever. But we get this large fight sequence, and so there was something to set up actually just before this, uh, where I think it's just at the start of this fight actually, uh, or before it when they're talking about it, where mm. Donatello realizes that all he has is a stick. He says, yeah. all you guys have got these weapons. And I've brought this up in prior reviews. Everyone, every Turtles <laughs> fan has this realization at some point where they realize, wait, Nunchuck, Sai, and Katana, they are all badass, deadly weapons. Mm. And then a stick. Donatello gets shafted with the stick. And this mm -hmm. movie goes out of its way 
kind of for comedy purposes, but actually shows just how versatile and useful this stick is repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the perfect thing for Donatello being the one who has to think his way out of situations rather yeah, than brute force. Because he uses it to go under the car at one point here. He uses it another t- later on. There's a great bit later on, like when they're trying to like. Uh, like sabotage a car ride we're like mm-hmm. we have to like get to that that brake pedal under the seat if only we had something long but also sturdy to to, to and dad tells i've got a stick <laughs> i've got Perfect. a stick uh, and then there's one point in a fight later on where someone's using it against him he's like they're using my stick against me there was like a really conscious through line that felt like okay you know what people make fun of donatello's stick we're going yeah. to have fun proving hey you can do a lot with a stick Right. Oh yeah, for sure. So. That's the thing is like it, he's the only one who got to focus on his weapon. Everyone else just kind of did their own thing with it. Yeah, it didn't yeah. feel like anyone had a real focus to it. That being said, I loved the intro to this scene because like you said, they never have been in a fight before this. So they come in, they think they're about to face down just like one guy who stole the scooter. Meanwhile, it's this entire room full of big burly guys who are all about to attack them. And so they try to make the first move and everything just goes wrong all at once like a shuriken gets lodged in i think it's donatello's leg (laughs) and like everyone's falling over each other but then very quickly they start to get into the groove of their training and how they manage to fight against these guys and i think it's a great job of showing while they may not be you know hyper competent they may not be amazing fighters at this point they are still good enough to do this stuff and when they're done with it they freak out like normal teenagers would they're like oh my god did you see that that was amazing yeah i think it's a a combination they're going for this idea that they are obviously amateurs but they've trained in theory for a long time but you mix Mm -hmm. that with the fact that they are stronger and faster than humans because of their turtleness Mm -hmm. uh that basically they, they they it works out that these like sort of like low bit thugs are the perfect first opponents to for them mm-hmm. to realize hey we can actually do this we actually are able to pull this off uh and it's a good fun sequence um mm-hmm. and it ends with of course with like april shows up to get her scooter back and then the turtles walk out the shadows and it's all thing also repeatedly during this scene the bad guys refer to them as the shreks yeah they look like little shreks to me was it, Genesis was an intentional thing because people were saying that in those two, two live action movies that they look kind of like Shrek? Was this like a I, direct reference? I don't think so. I I doubt it, but it's yeah, possible Seth me. Rogen would have been like, yeah, yeah let's just, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna do it, let's just bring it out into the forefront. I don't think it's surprising, especially since this is the same scene where the car radio turns on and what do you hear? Yeah. Go ninja, go ninja, go. Going in. and that is just for the people who are in their 30s oh, who remember yeah. turtles 2 okay no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> that's who that's for <laughs> there's there's a fan base at, at work here oh, uh, yeah. this movie does a great job of calling back to all eras of the turtles i don't think there it makes it feel like you know you got the 80s you do it the more modern stuff as well i don't think that this is a it doesn't shun any turtles fan from enjoying it yeah yeah uh, so, yeah, and this is where it really kicks off the plot, which is they're talking to April, mm-hmm. and she wants to be a journalist. She's writing for a school paper, and mm-hmm. she, for some reason, and I, I, you know, this is 
terrible plan for Etienne. She's actually trying to write about this crime boss who's like, you know, taking the city by storm. And just just a bit of advice for any actual like 16 year olds out there who write mm-hmm. for the school paper. Don't try and investigate a dangerous criminal on your own. Well, she has a perfectly reasonable explanation in that if this crime boss, if Superfly is allowed to roam the streets, prom will be canceled. <laughs> Can't have that. So the turtles don't like the idea that she's going to take notes and write an article about them because she obviously looks at them and goes, "Oh, hey, this is my." Uh... I mean, later on, there's a joke where she says, "I'm going to get a daytime Emmy," uh, yeah. but that's that's kind of the the vibe is like, "Oh, hey, like if I reveal the turtles to the world, I'm going to be like uh, instantly, I'm just a success." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Look, how about this? You help us find this villain because we've just realized that we can be heroes, and if we mm-hmm. be heroes." which made you like us, then maybe everyone will like us if we save the city. So you help us, and then you can sort of write about us and reveal us. And I, I love how there's a tiny little bit before that where they're like, look, do you, can you honestly tell us that there are other people out there like you who can accept us for who we are? And she stands up and the music swells and she's like, no, no, people <laughs> no. are awful. They're never going to like you. Never, no. Uh, yeah, and obviously, as soon as they said this, I'm like, okay, this is good, because what this is, is it's setting up this this journey to be the Ninja Turtles, but the reason they've just given for wanting to do it is wrong. And that's mm-hmm. the point of the movie, is that by the end, they have to realize that to, they, want, they have to be able to do it for the right reason, not because they right. want to be accepted by everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's a big dramatic point later, when they're hated by everyone, when they're seen in the streets, and they all hate them, and Leo says... It doesn't matter. We should still save them anyway. That's the right. true moment where they become heroes. You know, Absolutely. here it's selfish. Later on, it's this this act of selflessness. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did fun. also appreciate this. Uh, they give a little even more animated, like it's a coloring book sort of style, mm. as they're going through their plan of oh, all we'll have to do is catch this superfly guy, deliver him to the police, and everyone will love us. And they're done in the style of like the classic looking turtles yeah the classic comic book yeah yeah so i i appreciate that where that's how they see themselves in their uh mind's eye is these like bigger like hulkier turtles the way that they previously were yeah uh and this leads to like going to the high school uh where we mm-hmm. find out april's got a, a track record to try to do the uh the the news show that broadcasts throughout the school yeah and she threw up on camera uh and she's known as April or puke? Puke girl. <laughs> yeah, but April or puke was what written on our locker. Yeah, kids are very creative like that. Yeah. <laughs> Although at the end, it turned into someone scored it out and put an April or hero or something like that. Yeah, or, something like that. Yeah, it was, it was, they flipped it. Um, yeah, so, yeah, but they're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. It's a high school. And April's like, it's just a bit shit. You know, it's falling apart. It's not very nice at all. But they're I enamored like how with there it. Was- there was one moment where Donatello sees that somebody has like a, uh, a an anime sticker on their locker. Oh, I say it's Attack on Titan. Yeah, he just geeks. He's like, I don't even know this person, and yet I want them to be my best friend. Yeah, I think the line he has is, is like, I've only seen this on a locker, but I've gotten more from this person than anyone's ever given me my entire right. life. <laughs> yes, that's what it was. Uh, oh, that's so good. Yeah. 
Which, I mean, obviously we see them stealing stuff from the grocery store, so I assume it's all stolen, but there was a part of me when they are in bed earlier on, but they've all got, like, uh, smartphones in their hands, uh, Donnie's got a yeah. laptop, and I'm like, where are you guys getting all this from? And do you have a contract so you can actually, you know, access yeah. the internet? I mean, are you just, like, tapping into someone's Wi-Fi? Like, what's going, what's going on here? <laughs> I mean, it's iPod Touches. You don't need the cell service. You just pick up on other people's Wi-Fi signals. There you go. <laughs> iPod touches. Yeah, from way back in the day. They would I wouldn't be surprised if they did manage because that would have been like 2010, 2011 when those were still around. I wouldn't be surprised if they managed to keep those alive for this long. Yeah, but it's present day. I assume they've got new stuff. I, I didn't oh, think they had stuff from their probably. childhood. I mean, they don't <laughs> focus on it, but it's the sort of thing where you either have to square the problem of did they straight up steal these out of people's bags or do they somehow manage to get these cell phone plans despite <laughs> Splinter saying no? At least if they stole them from the like the companies instead, that's, that doesn't feel as bad as stealing from a person. Oh, yeah, no. But, you know. Screw big corporate. Yeah. Um, uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, so so they, they check about the plan. You know, she's got like a murder board with the pins and the string and all that, and it's like, okay, how how do we find this? Um, and they go looking. This is where you get your montage, I think, of like them like mm. showing up to all these different locations, and they do have this neat thing where in each location it's a different turtle who's at the front, so mm. it sort of equally distinguishes like each location and fight um by whatever turtle was leading the charge um but the fight scenes they they like everyone's throwing the same punches at the same time everyone's doing all the same movements mm. so they're able to seamlessly just split between all the fights as the song and it's set to no diggity as well which is beautiful choice there i it's i just love this scene i think this was a fantastic scene for action in this midpoint of the movie and they uh so they get some information about where like the next thing's going to be stolen or whatever they get some thugs who have been paid off to like pick up this next scientific scientific device mm-hmm. and they end up getting it themselves right uh and it turns out donnie can drive because he's played a lot of forza horizon by yeah and actually i'll just mention this here because i don't know where it comes in exactly but there's a certain point where splinter's like feeling lonely and he's like the turtles are always out so he sends yeah. like a message saying hey it's an emergency sons come home and he throws them a surprise party with lots of pizza. And the movie has already established they love pizza because April buys them a pizza. Mm-hmm. They're very ecstatic about the pizza. Yeah. And they come in. It's a pizza party. He's like, hey, you know, I brought the outside world to you. And he's got cut out stand-ups of all the Chrissies. <laughs> he's got Chris Evans, Chris Payne, and Chris Pratt. Uh, yeah. Chris Payne's in his Starfleet uniform specifically. But these are like live-action stand-ups. They're not animated. So, it's, again, right. there's a real interesting visual quality to it. Um, and they're like, sorry, Dad, we got to dip out. But uh, I just wanted to mention that scene because it. No, it's good. It it really sets the plot forward for Splinter at that point because he very easily at this point has just been in the background. He could have been totally ignorant as to what the turtles were doing, but this scene is what sets him as no, I do care about my kids and I'm trying to get involved with them. I'm trying to like make them happy, but I'm yeah. going about it the wrong way. I'm trying to still keep them out of the thing they want. Because he he finds their quote-unquote human clothes and human items like all across their room. Mm. And the conclusion he comes to is not let them out there where they want to be. It's, okay, keep them boxed up, but just let them have a couple flourishes here and there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they get this truck with the science device and the meeting place for Superfly. So we get our mm-hmm. big meeting scene where Superfly and all the other mutants show up. And it's got an interesting sort of swerve to it where 
when they see each other, the turtles are just kind of excited that there's other mutants, and the other mm-hmm. mutants are excited to, to see the turtles, and they yeah. end up just hanging out in a bowling alley and, like, yeah. playing arcade games, and it's all fun and games until Supervi just casually mentions that his plan with what he's building is to turn all the animals on Earth into mutants with this big device, mm-hmm. um, and then one of the turtles, you know, being a bit more concerned, just goes, and what would happen to the humans in this scenario? And Superfly says, well, most of them will die. Some will be our pets, maybe our slaves. I don't know. Well, I'll make it up as I go along. And April's actually listening to this through, like, a headpiece uh, mm-hmm. the whole time. And she's like, uh, guys, you got to stop him now? you got to stop him? Any, any minute now, stop him. Stop <laughs> him, please. If you get a chance, just go ahead and not let him do that thing that's going to kill me. Yeah. Because uh, when they go outside and the turtles say, what if we're not down with this plan to kill all the humans? Mm-hmm. And the tone drops immediately. And then Leo tries to save it. It's like, hey, no, I'm okay with killing all the humans. And it just cuts to April. She's like, I'll cut that part. Yeah, I'll cut that part. All of their stuff yeah. to try to make them out to be heroes. Oh so dear. Uh, so we end up with their own different vehicles, but like two of the, I guess Gecko and one of the others are driving the van that the turtles are in, and they've got one of the, the you know, the, the device that they brought with them, mm-hmm. and they're driving, and they want to try and stop the car. And this is where they they use the stick to, uh, I should say yep. staff, but they kept calling it a stick in the movie for comedy reasons. And they and they. As they're driving down the road, a thing is that um, Mondo Gecko is super chill. He's just mm-hmm. the nicest dude, and he really gets along with Michelangelo. And as they're driving, they're playing What's Going On by Four Non Blondes. I just need to set that up for this next part. Yes, and they're singing. He's, he's singing with the other mutant at the front. Yeah. They're, they're, they're really getting I think into it. it's Rocksteady is the other one in there. Yeah, they're, they're really enjoying the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they do the breaks, and it turns into a chase sequence, of course. Yep. Uh, they, once... they bust through the windshield, and then the turtles yeah. take over the car. And Donnie's driving about like a madman. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, and this is a whole impressive chase sequence uh, that ultimately ends with the turtles driving, uh, you know, off a bridge, or they land sort of awkwardly, and this is where mm-hmm. TCRI come up and, like, kidnap them, because they're all kind of, you know, knocked out or, like, right. or whatever. So during that chase sequence, the thing that got me, and maybe you just were not exposed to this, is that there was a meme version of what's going on by Four Non Blondes, sung by just some dude set to the old 80s He-Man cartoon on YouTube. It's been up for like 12 years now. And that meme version is the version they play as they're doing this chase scene the whole time. Oh, really? No, I, I, I am not aware of this meme, so that went yeah. over my head. I, it, I just loved it, because it's so, it's so pointless. There's no reason to have this meme playing over this thing, but it's so fun at the same time that I just, I, I loved every second of this chase scene. Yeah, I think one of the hardest things for me in animation is to make me care about action sequences, and it was something actually I definitely was surprised about how much I enjoyed it in the TMNT Batman movie that we did for Patreon. Mm. Uh, That I was very impressed with the 2D animation in that and making me actually like the fight scenes. I think the same thing goes here with this chase scene and the later action scenes and the earlier ones is that I actually enjoyed them. And I think it's Mm -hmm. we're at a point now with animation where you can do it in a way that appeals to me and what I like to see in cinema. Whereas I think traditional animation, both CG and 2D, I think can struggle with stuff that's more dynamic than simple, you know movement i think i think it's an issue of you in any animations that i really think of 
it's hard to really feel that punch. It's hard mm. to really feel like there is an impact to it because everything has always felt, like we said, so Pixar. It's always felt like, you know, a toy flying backwards rather than some actually living thing. But now that we're getting more stylized with it, you stop feeling that toy aspect and start picking up on the art aspect, and that allows you to get back that feeling of momentum again. Yeah. Uh, so the turtles are held captive, and it looks like April abandons them. Although, I mean, I like, I think everyone watching oh, yeah. knows what she's doing. She's going to go to Splinter for help because. But you know, the, these are a bunch of fifteen-year-olds. I'm. I can understand oh, why yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. "Oh, they betrayed us." Yeah, because earlier on, was, I guess the, the the surprise party scene where uh, they t they actually bring her with them, but say, "Hey, you have to stop here. We, we live around the corner in the sewers, but you need to stay here because Splinter doesn't like humans." Yeah. Uh, and she's like, well, that's fair, because I don't like rats. <laughs> so, uh, but sure enough, she shows up to Splinter and says, hey, your sons need your, need your help. They've been mm -hmm. kidnapped. Um, and, you know, as much as I have my critiques about Splinter's characterization in this, it is quite heartwarming that he do he mounts a one-man rescue uh, oh, using yeah. all four of their weapons against the TCRI dudes to, uh, mm -hmm. to break them out. Uh, that's actually quite sweet. But yeah, this is where the turtles are all like, hooked up and it's Mikey who's being milked first. And they're like, what does it feel like? He's like, ah, it's kind of weird. It, it hurts. <laughs> it's, I, I remember it being like, oh, you just have to focus on something else. Focus on pizza. You love pizza. It's like, no, pizza is cheese. Cheese comes from milk. It's all coming back to milk. <laughs> uh, and of course, the, the, the little sign on the device actually says milker 2000 or yep. something stupid like exactly. that and uh, they, they have a little moment here where they realize like this is it like we're probably going to die they're gonna milk us until we're nothing left and they kind of try to like come together as a group and like i think it was uh donatello says something like oh i never got to see bts and so they all start like trying to sing for him and he's like you guys don't even know the words but thanks <laughs> that was funny yeah the movie yeah. the movie is consistently pretty funny like i don't know if you've gotten that because it's, it's you know why i just reiterate jokes because it just you don't get the effect from it but it yeah. is constantly yeah. quite funny um, oh yeah there was a this was one of the few movies where apparently they just had all of the actors all in one room rather than separated out oh, really? into That's different cells so that way they were able to do these sort of scenes where it's just natural it feels like a bunch of teenagers talking over each other yeah at least the, the core four kids i, I absolutely get mm -hmm. having them together so you can have that yeah. chemistry for sure um so splatter breaks them out uh april actually ends up stealing one of the tcr guys bikes which is only important in that it has like a the TCRI soldiers have this like gun. It doesn't fire bullets. It fires like a, a goop that's meant to like. It's a deuzinator. Yeah, it basically demutates anything that it hits. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's important for later because uh, one of the turtles has got it. Um, but basically, uh, what's her face? Uh, what was the villain? Cynthia Utrum. She doesn't seem that concerned yes. with what Superfly is up to, despite the fact that it's like the apocalypse for all the humans. Uh, yeah. You know, which maybe maybe if it's a slight story critique is that she never seems aware or cares that this is going on. She, it feels so separate in that that respect. But yeah. once they get out here, it's like okay, we have to stop Superfly, um, and to the point where you know they're going after him. Um, and I think it's, it's not until after this, or is, is it during this part where they convince the other mutants to help them? Uh, it's in a, like, during this next sequence, yeah. During the but next sequence, yeah. We have the first bit where Splinter basically tells them, like, hey, look, you know, you guys have been running out this whole time, you've been lying to me. 
I'm not letting you out. Like that's you, you have to understand that this is the only way that I can keep you safe is by you staying inside. And so we're going to go stop him. And then you guys will never be out of my sight again, because that's the only way that I can keep you safe. Mm. So they say goodbye to April, all sad and such, because they realize this is probably where it's going to be the split up for them. And they go off to fight Superfly. Yeah. And they go off hunting and they get to, yeah, they get to sort of where they're building this machine. They, they break mm. in and effectively, they sort of turn all of the mutant henchmen against Superfly by saying, mm-hmm. hey, do you actually want to kill all the humans? And I don't know, I guess like Mondo Gecko, who's first, is like, you know, I'm not really into that part. Yeah, I never <laughs> really considered anything else as an option. It yeah. just kind of seemed like it was that or nothing. Yeah. But all of a sudden, the turtles are presenting these other options to them, and they mm-hmm. all kind of turn, including Bebop and Rocksteady. Like, I was not expecting Bebop yeah. and Rocksteady to be allies by the end of this movie, but here we are. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, like, Shredder somehow is going to convert them next movie, or if maybe they're just, yeah, they're just allies, though. I don't know. I could see it going either way. I could see them doing, like, a bait and switch where yeah. Shredder thinks he has them under control, but it's like, nah, we're still cool. Very interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so, but Supervi gets, like, during the fight, he gets kicked into the, uh, the, the machine, right? Mm-hmm. And it all falls in the water. And it's like, wait a minute, the water's got a lot of life forms in it, and this machine that's meant to, you know, mutinize everything's, uh, mutate is the word I was looking for. I like mutinize more. <laughs> that's fair. But mutate's the correct word. Um, and he ends up coming out like a kaiju-sized superfly who also has, like, other sea creatures that sort of, like, just bolted to him. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. He he comes out with, like, a whale for his body. So he's already massive. But then he gets up out of the water and immediately crashes into a zoo. Yes. So now he has just every animal bolted to his... Uh, the toys are calling him Mega Mutant at this point. Okay, so. okay. Uh, so he's still, he's still voiced by Ace Cube, and he's still saying some of his funny lines and whatnot. But yeah, he's, he's stomping through. There's multiple references to Godzilla uh, when this oh, is yeah. going on, because uh, naturally. And it's like, oh shit, we gotta go stop him. The other mutants are going to help. Uh, to the point where when April shows up with this, you know, uh, gun and whatever, we get the big slow motion all walking together oh, shot. So... With the turtles in the middle, April at the side, and all the other mutants behind them. It's, it's very nice. You know, it's a yeah. big thing. But the, the big stuff that comes from all this is that they try and stop uh, Superfly. Superfly basically beats the shit out of them and, like, knocks them back. And they're in the middle of New York. It's, like, Times Square. There's fire around. Mm-hmm. And, like, humans are scared of them. They're yelling and screaming. And then not only well, that, the, the news... Yeah, the news this entire time has been reporting on the giant kaiju. But because the turtles were the ones out in front and fighting against everything, the news is saying that they're the ones who are in charge of this mutant Well, yeah, but we don't see that throughout the whole time, though. We see that when the turtles see it, because they they look up, you know, there's this sad moment in the middle of Times Square, where they look up, and this giant screen's playing the news, and it's saying, hey, these these mutants are causing chaos, they're destroying the city, and it's the Mm -hmm. turtles' photos that are all over the news. And it's like, it's this really sad moment, as the camera's low down, it's doing this 360-degree shot around the turtles, and it's really heartbreaking. It's a sad, sad moment. But this yeah. is what builds up to probably the best scene in the movie for me, from a narrative purpose, is Leo saying, no, we should save them anyway. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. that they don't like us. We have to do this for the right reasons. We have to go be heroes because it's the right thing to do. Uh, yeah. So, sh- sure and enough. I like, 
I like how they go through specifically Leo goes through and he points out to each of them like why they're needed for this plan. Like hmm. they need Donnie's muscle, they need Mikey's ability to improv. Donatello's the one who comes up with the idea of attack on Titan of yeah. going after his weak point because he is at this point a Titan. Yeah. You see, by the way, you said Donnie instead of Raph for the first one. Sorry, yeah, Raph. Yeah. Um <laughs> no, Donnie Donnie has muscle. Um, that's not what he's contributing to the plan though I don't think that's fair and then um, when they get back in the car and they're about to enact a plan Raph gives Leo credit of like that's the first time you've ever actually sounded like a leader yeah so they're all kind of coming into their own a little bit Mm-hmm. Uh, and they steal a pizza van, which I assume they're going to take the pizza off, and this will become the turtles van because it was very similar. Oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we get this whole thing with them racing up, and they're going up through the the multi story car park, and it's all about getting up to the back of the neck, which is where the weak spot is. Yep. And they're going to like throw in like the the juice that for the for the anti mutant gun. They're going to throw mm-hmm. that into the the because the, there's a bit earlier on where they fire the gun and it hits like a horse that's stuck to his side and the horse becomes a normal horse again and rides away and superflies like I don't need that horse. <laughs> What's that? One horse, that's it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I got plenty of uh, parts to be out. No stinking horse. Which I do think that if they managed to shoot the whale that makes up the majority of his body, he mm. probably would have gone down. I don't think that's like they, they make yeah, a whole big yeah. thing of him them having to get it into his bloodstream because that's what connects all of them but i think if they hit the whale he they probably would have won as well yeah maybe they concern us though he'll, he'll just keep grabbing more animals again oh uh, that's true that's yeah. possible so it's, it's like yeah we have to take him down properly and throughout mm. all this splinter's helping as well um mm. you know in fact there's a big scene with splinter he, he basically has his spider-man moment where uh, all the, all in I'm New York. I'm glad you thought that because yeah. I thought the exact yeah, same yeah. thing. So basically, all the humans on the street because the tur- because, so actually to set this up as well, April yeah. breaks into Channel Six News because she sees how they're, they're talking about the turtles. She's like, "Not on my watch!" And mm-hmm. this teenager breaks in, runs up to the TV studio, grabs the mic. Well, that, this actually might be the, the 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 most raw, unrealistic thing in the whole movie is that this teenager is able to just find her way into the TV studio That's it. as the kaiju is stepping <laughs> yes. out outside the building the most unrealistic part is that april knows where the studio is yeah it hasn't stopped i guess they're all just running scared but she she breaks yeah. out in the chaos she grabs the mic and says no the turtles are helping they're fighting the superfly monster mm-hmm. and she still vomits but she keeps going that's yep. that's that's progress it's not about being better it's about overcoming your weaknesses yeah absolutely uh so that leads to the fact that the, the humans actually, you know, there's this, like, you know, he's it's, it's all in shadow. The human comes up to Splinter when he's been knocked down by mm. the mutant and puts out his hand. But instead of, like, you know, because it looks like a fist at first, but then he, ho- he opens it and it's, like, to help him. He's like, hey, mm. buddy, do you need help? So now he's been helped by the humans. And it's this sweet Spider-Man-esque moment of New York City coming to help you Splinter and the Turtles. You mess with one of us. You mess with all of us. <laughs> exactly. So he gets help. And the turtles are able to save the day, although not before they're like grabbed by Superfly and squeezed. And there's a whole yeah, they thing. got like all cracks and stuff in their shells. And there's this uh, moment way earlier on where Raph tells him like, "Yeah, I don't want the last thing I see before I die be one of you guys." And it yep. seems like that's how my life is going. But then as they're being crushed, he's like, "You know, we're gonna die, and I'm actually kind of happy that I'm seeing you guys as my last thing here." And everyone's all, "Oh, Raph has a heart." Yeah, and yeah, obviously once again, Splinter helps bail them out, and they're able mm-hmm. to be turtles, save the day, and yeah, well, the Splinter, 
Splinter, all the humans, and all the mutants. Yes. Everyone works together to take down Superfly. And one thing I guess we should have brought up is that uh, the whole reason that Splinter really gets heavily involved here and has a change of heart is that he hears Superfly echoing his own words. Because Superfly's whole thing is yeah, that yeah. they did the exact same thing. Him and all of his mutant brothers and sisters went out, tried to be in public, and they were attacked. But the difference was, instead of running, Superfly beat this guy into submission. And so his whole thing is, in order to keep you all safe, I have to do this. I have to eliminate yeah. humanity. And Splinter hears this, and it's like an awake- awakening for him where he realizes he's like, you know, he sounds like the villain. He hears the villain mm-hmm. say his own words. It's actually very similar, bizarrely, to a moment from the last uh, Batman movie, which I won't spoil the specifics of. Yeah. But there's a very similar beat in that, uh, where it's like, oh shit, my own words have been kind of like, you know, parodied by this awful person. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes him realize stuff, yeah. Um... So there's character growth for him, and a lot of the fallout of this, obviously there's a big scene where the turtles are, like, cheered, and they all start chanting turtles, and the turtles mm-hmm. are like, wait, are they chanting turtles? And it's, it's just like they imagined earlier on. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll stop Superfly, and everyone will love us and chant our names. And sure enough... It's, it's down to the same stuff in that they mirror the same lines of, like, they're heroes, and then a woman runs forward and says, sign my baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the epilogue stuff in this movie is that the turtles are actually getting to go to high school like splinter's mm-hmm. making them lunch and they take off their their you know their masks uh yeah that shocked me yeah although they're color-coded like power rangers so don't worry leo's yeah. wearing a blue hoodie you know so on and so forth mm-hmm. um and yeah leo's like helping april with her projects and asking her to the dance um raf's like doing the the student wrestling and like having a blast uh donnie's with the computer nerds mikey's doing his improv class <laughs> like they're they're all flourishing and yeah. splinter's having a weird sex relationship with yeah can we talk about that for like two seconds here because it, it's uh... not okay so i'm okay <laughs> with splinter being this bumbling dad type instead of the sage master because as a new character that's fine i'm willing to accept there are changes that are made one of the mutants that just spits out this weird saliva goop all over them every time it talks and i think it's like a cockroach mutant splinters tapping that (laughs) <laughs> and I'm, I'm not okay with this idea and neither are the turtles they make it clear this is supposed to be gross but like they there's a whole scene where they just heavily make out and it's just not it's this felt like seth rogan was like i want this scene particularly if we do anything else in this movie i need the scene where the rat makes out with the cockroach and i just i don't appreciate it yeah and when you say you're making out basically his entire like uh, nose and mouth is consumed in her mouth. Like that's what it looks like. Yep. Uh, it's it's uh yeah. It's all just yeah. I, I wasn't super keen on that if I'm being honest. Uh, but this is a very interesting setup. It's, it feels very different to Turtles for me. Where it's like oh no, we're setting up that they can actually go to high school and be Ninja Turtles like at night or whatever. And mm. presumably that's what this animated show that sort of in the same universe is going to be doing until the second mm. movie. And then the second movie can do, like, the actual Shredder story, which is what the mid credit scene sets up. It sets up that there's yeah. an actual fight in Nemesis. And I was getting those vibes as I was watching, because I was thinking about this when they were chasing Superfly, when he's kaiju-sized around the city. I was thinking, mm-hmm. oh, this is very Batman Begins, in the sense that you're doing a lesser villain in your first movie so that you can make 
the main villain, in this case Shredder, a super big deal as your yeah. sequel, your real challenge um, that's going to test their skills in the next one. And I think that's fascinating because it's like because this is the first time there's been a first turtles movie that doesn't have shredder in the foot and i think saving that for a second movie made this feel refreshing but now because they've established these turtles i'm actually excited to see how they tackle like them taking on a shredder yeah it makes me wonder though what they are going to do for the show in that clearly they'll have a high school hijinks stuff but i wonder who are the bad guys they're going to fight are there going to be people that we're familiar with from the Turtles franchise? Is it just going to kind of be like the uh, goon of the week? TCRI? Pro- so, yeah, smaller characters, maybe goons that work for TCRI, but they definitely aren't going to do Shredder. Like, they ended up this teases them for the sequel. That's the yeah, second movie. Same. Yeah. So, uh, one thing worth noting here, I don't know if you're familiar, is that Cynthia Utram, Utram is the race that Krang is. Uh, yeah, I recognize the name. Um, I mean, Krang's a third movie thing, surely. That makes oh, yeah. so much sense to, mm-hmm. to do that in the third one. Um, and even then, like, Baxter Stockman is there to set up Superfly, but Baxter Stockman himself, like, you presume that he might show up in his, like, hybrid form uh, later on, maybe either working for Shredder or Krang or yeah, something. Yeah, it's, it's weird because clearly when you think about it, Baxter Stockman is supposed to be part fly. He's supposed to be what i assume superfly pretty much is and it's weird that they differentiated it into these two different characters instead well, of I, having baxter stockman be this part insect man yeah but baxter stockman doesn't tend to be like the main villain of, like he tends oh, yeah. to, he tends to be this henchman for the others he tends to be more subservient so mm-hmm. i suspect that that's maybe why we, we, we made this you know superfly character here as opposed to uh just doing baxter yeah. but you know, Baxter's still potentially there to bring back. Like, there's nothing here that says and he's I mean, gone. Technically, the demutated version of the fly is as well. They have it in a can during the post credit scene. So yeah, maybe can... maybe he'll emerge with his son. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> it's like, oh, my boy, my baby boy, come to daddy. Because you, you assume Baxter Stockman may even just be like in a lab as a prisoner somewhere under TCRI mm-hmm. doing stuff for them. Yeah, they, they showed he was in an explosion and all the stuff was gone, but they specifically brought him in. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he showed up at some later point. Yeah, yeah. It, it shows at least there's some foresight into what they're going to do with the sequels, even if they've not like mapped them out completely. Like, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we, we know we're going to do Shredder on the next one. We've left these different characters available. Like, there, there's a bit of foresight there, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if nothing else, this movie has an arc. It has characters it introduces which is something that not all of these movies have been able to do i'm looking at 2014 <laughs> especially uh really really struggled with that um mm-hmm. you said it's your best turtles movie i i think it's the second best i think the i think 1990 okay. is still the best one but i think this is the easy shoe in for the second best and surprisingly the third best just under this is probably batman ninja turtles the animated movie because uh, that was surprisingly good okay all right all right and I then, mean, yeah, I'll agree. Yeah, and then I've got a lot of nostalgia for for Secret of the Years, even if it's you know a lot kiddier and not as good. But I would take that over, you know, anything that came after. Yeah, no, I mean, for me, it's clearly this is the top, followed very closely behind by Michael Bay's first outing. <laughs> Piss off, mm, top tier. You lie, you you your filthy lies and deception. Yeah, no, that's you can go back and look at the ratings. I'm definitely lying. 
Yeah, it's very interesting. I think this is a very worthy, worthy movie, though. I think for old-time fans, there's a lot here to like, even if some of the changes aren't all going to work for you. And I think for a new yeah. generation of Turtles fans, it's going to pull people in. The kids will be into it, I think. Yeah, that's the only thing that I'm wondering is the amount of humor and also the style, I guess. Because there were a few points in this movie where the humor just barely like stepped its toe over what I felt was appropriate being old man david um <laughs> for instance there's the scene where april throws up for the first time on camera and it just i understand the comedy behind it i did think it was funny but it just felt gratuitous at a certain point and it felt like it was doing a bit too much uh, yeah it's maybe just a step over the line they, they sort of like did a thing with it though where it's like hey they made memes out of it and we see like the the yeah like the the versions that the other students created where she's like puking rainbows like over the screen or, or whatever yeah. Like they had, um, and they made it modern as well. They added in like, oh, there TikTok duets were made. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's such a just, minor point. That I didn't really think oh, much no, about but it, but yeah. I'm saying that that's the sort of thing that that was the point where it kind of stepped over for me. I wonder if there's other stuff in this movie that people who are a bit less into this style of humor, this sort of improv madcap sort of thing, whether they are going to appreciate this movie at all because it is such a large part of it is its humor yeah i mean i think they have threaded the needle quite well here as appealing to to old fans and making it work as its own new tone of turtles media uh i, I think that's quite impressive and it'd be very interesting to see if they can do it again with a sequel and i hope they do i, mm -hmm. I want to see these turtles take on a shredder and get their yeah. asses kicked and have to level up uh, i want to see them beaten down yeah i mean I, i'm all for being a little darker in the sequel but to be fair that's naturally what you do with a sequel is you make the sequel just a little bit darker because you, mm -hmm. you up the stakes uh that's what it should do um i'm not saying it should be sending kids home crying necessarily but uh you know um, I, i'm thinking like how to train your dragon 2 definitely felt darker than the first one still worked for a family audience but mm -hmm. definitely took it into a, a more threatening level so what you're saying is that when shredder looks up or comes into the movie, he looks down at the turtles and he laughs and says, <laughs> they're babies. That's <laughs> supposed to be darker. Yes. Perfect. Yeah, it, it should do anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, so no, I had a good time. It's a very solid, solid uh, movie. Um, and I think, and yeah, I think the art style really does go, like, I, I mean, I would have liked it, I think, with, without it. Like, I would have liked it enough, but I think it's what really tips it into great movie territory as opposed to just a good new interpretation yeah if this looked like the last week's movie we did the 07 turtles mm -hmm. i don't think i'd like it as much i think yeah. that it would have just felt too plasticky the humor would have still been great but it like i said my favorite scene was the montage of the fights in all the different locations i can't even begin to imagine how that would look in the old it, style it yeah, wouldn't it, work it's just it's, it's going back to cinema as a visual medium and i think a lot of movies kind of forget that bizarrely uh, and just end up feeling quite basic and i think a lot of cg movies over the last 20 years have kind of suffered from that mm -hmm. and i think for me the visual style of this is what really puts a stamp on it really sets it aside and says this is kind of special and i'm totally down for another couple of these like i'm totally yeah. down for this to be a trilogy and that's you know do a, a fun couple and hell, if I hear the show's good too, I might even watch the show. I, I mean, I, I'm not predicting it, but 
yeah, no, I mean, if, as long as Nickelodeon saves the strongest plots for the movies and lets there be stuff beyond the show, because I don't want it to be a thing where I feel obligated to watch the show to oh, understand sure. the movies. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I'm I'm also down for if this is the way we want to stick with Turtles for the next like decade, I'm good with that. I'd love to see these Turtles pretty much age in real time. Give me fi- mm. give me five years of these Turtles until they exit out of teenage. Yeah, and, and just I make that work. Yeah, and I I think you know the the more classic turtles are still there on the comics, and I and I think that just to go against the concern you have about the shows, maybe like it'd be bad if they felt like you need to watch them. Is that mm-hmm. I think they know there's a casual audience, there's an adult audience who are not going to mm-hmm. watch the weekly Nickelodeon show. That you know part of the appeal of doing a franchise like this is that you get the thirty and forty year olds who love it who are going to spend mm-hmm. their money on it, and then you have their kids who hopefully are going to love it and want all the toys, right? Yeah. You want that that crossover between the two age groups, and mm-hmm. I think that's the appeal of a Turtles uh, franchise hitting big. And it's why, you know, they did have success with Transformers. For a time, it's kind of cooled now because they did too much of it, but that's yeah. always the hope, I guess. So, now, we've had this little interesting streak at the movies recently where... You know, we've not done the Mission Impossibles yet because we're waiting for Dead Reckoning Part 2, but mm-hmm. that, that last one got a really high rating. Uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie both get high ratings, and then this Turtles movie got a high rating. It feels like we had this little yep. streak here in the back half of the summer of just, like, movies that felt worth seeing on the big mm-hmm. screen. Um, yep. and, I, and I think we both recommend this one, certainly. And we both recommended oh. Oppenheimer for sure as well, so... Yep. And then we can't forget about Indiana Jones. I mean, actually, no. We no, can no, we can it. forget that's, about that. You don't have to fine. go see that. It's, uh, yeah... <laughs> Um. So yeah, uh, I guess we're we're at the point to to rate the the movie. So what are you giving yep. Mutant Mayhem? Um, I mean, I think I gotta give this one. I gotta give this one like an eight point five. I really just enjoyed oh. it the whole way through. I I I did like you said. I had some issues with the way certain things were presented. Um. I'm maybe it's because I'm not as hardcore of a Turtles fan or as one that goes back as far. I didn't have a problem with the changes made to Splinter. I think that it was a reason for the arc they wanted to tell. It was a reasonable enough change. I just think this was an enjoyable movie from start to end. I, I, there was no point in this where I was thinking, okay, well, this is getting a bit stupid or a bit long or a bit cartoony. It was just a good film, period. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like I say, just on the Splinter thing, it's like I actually like the story they tell with him. I just don't like his personality and voice. Right. You know, I like the actual fear of letting his kids out and we have to stay secret. And this is why I taught you martial arts. All of those things work. Like I like all of those things. It's just the actual presentation of him, I guess that I don't right. like. Um, but yeah, it, it, the visual style is phenomenal. It has an arc. I like the the story beats. Um, it was always visually interesting to watch. The music's good, um, and most of the humor lands quite well. And as a Turtles fan, I had a smell in my face for a lot of it. So I, I think for me, uh, I'll be going slightly lower and just giving it a really solid eight, which is to say it's a great movie um, and is only behind 1990s original live-action movie for me. Yep. So there you go. Uh, yep. That's uh, Mutant Mayhem, and does it make the cut? I'd say yes. I don't. I'm not yeah. going to argue a cut above. I don't think it's quite. How long is there yet? No, I don't think it's quite there. But I, I think it's. I, I could see a sequel getting there though. If if they if they nail it and oh, go yeah. and go into that kind of, um, 
you know, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes escalation, or, or even, actually, I said How to Train Your Dragon, I think How to Train Your Dragon 2 is the best of those three movies. We've not done mm. them yet, and I'm sure we will at some point, but okay. I think that's the peak of the trilogy, and I think it's that, that again, that, that raising the stakes and going even deeper into the story of the characters. If they pull yeah. that off, and I could see when these you, Turtles versus Shredder hitting those notes if they really want to go yeah. there. When you have to spend the first movie, you got to spend a good 30 minutes just setting up, here's how the world is today. Yeah. Once you get to the second movie, you don't have to do that, and you can take the time to really develop the plots that you want to develop. I, I think they could make the second one something fantastic. I think they really could. And not even just, like, keeping in the same lines as this one of like oh it looks great or it's funny or anything like that i think they could make it something where it actually is heartfelt and possibly darker than any other turtles movie has really hit on because it's really endeared us to the characters at this yeah. point and when we say darker we don't mean to say that it should be darker in tone the reason why the darker mm-hmm. stakes are going to be so effective is because it still should have it should still start off feeling like this universe but mm-hmm. then the threat of shredder is dark enough that it feels like oh shit like there's real stakes here um, yeah. And I think this movie had some of that where, yeah, like them realizing the world might hate them is actually mm-hmm. quite sad and is heartfelt. But I think in the second movie, giving them a threat that is actually wanting to kill them, like, you know, there's actually a serious danger, yeah. should be really effective if they can, if they can again, thread that needle. And, mm-hmm. you know, this movie is enough to suggest that they might have that in them. So hopefully um, we get that. And hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, I wonder what they'll call the second one because they'll call it Mutant Mayhem 2. It'll be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, you know, enter the Shredder or something like that. Oh, Shredder rules. It's gotta be that. <laughs> Can't be Shredder's Revenge, even though that's a popular title uh, mm. in the video games and comics because, but because his first you know time. So yeah, you can't call it that. But yeah, have Shredder, Shredder something in the title, something of the Shredder. You know, Night of the Shredder yeah. or something. I don't know. Age of Shredder. <laughs> nah, yeah, that's making me think of Transformers. No, no. Mm. That's fair. Don't yeah. want to bring back any of that. Let's, let's not think of that. Um, also, there was a cheap uh, moment. I think it was in one of the flashbacks where one of the characters who was scared in Times Square was someone dressed as SpongeBob, which I think was a Nickelodeon wink-wink. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, however, because they also made references to things like DreamWorks and other shows and stuff like that, it didn't feel that out of place. That and also in Times Square, like, there's tons of character actors there. They I know, but they, that. they were being cute by having it be a Nickelodeon character. Oh, no doubt. They, they no knew what doubt. they were doing. Uh, likewise, obviously, there's some product placement in here. They talk a lot about, uh, like, uh, Elyon. Yeah, Cool Ranch Doritos. Which, by the way, I think Doritos are so overrated. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. Like, like it, it's all shit food that's not good for you, but if we're really going to have the war over this... I will take a Pringle over a Dorito any day of the week. Here's the thing. In my wizened age, I agree. But (laughs) I know for a fact when I was 15, I was all in on Doritos. So it fits. I, like, I have like two Doritos and I'm sick of them. Like I just like I, whereas Pringles. Not the Cool I, Ranch though. Cool Ranch just hits right for me. I can oh, have I, a whole bag know. at once. I had the whole party <laughs> size. Okay. I mean like. Tastes are a thing, I get it, but I just, the Doritos fascination has just never been something that's hit with me. I mean, I have my sandwiches with mayo, so me and you are just never going to see eye to eye. Oh, you filthy, disgusting (laughs) human being. I, no, 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 no. Yep. Anywho, uh, that is, that is our thoughts on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mutant Mayhem 
It is uh, it is pretty good. Recommend go and see it while you still can mm-hmm. in theaters. Uh, yeah. It is a good time. So there you go. That is the movie. Uh, and then next week, we will be back to the second half of our Christopher Nolan season, which is continuing Ooh. on. Uh, we did his two earliest films in Oppenheimer before, and next time we'll be getting to his back half of his filmography uh, outside of his science fiction and Batman movies. So we'll be looking at Insomnia, we'll be looking at uh, Dunkirk, and we'll be looking at The Prestige. Not in that order. I just said them as no. they came to me. But yes. uh, that's what we'll be looking at. So look forward to those. Um, so yeah, bit, bit of a maybe whiplash from dipping into Turtles and then back into Nolan. But you yeah. know, that's the beauty of cinema. There's all sorts of flavors. <laughs> so we'll see you next week for that. Of course, you can get bonuses uh, by supporting us over at patreon.com slash And you, you know, we, we have like, I don't know, over 10 bonus episodes now. We do one a month and they're yeah. usually loosely related to what we're doing. So any any tiers on our Patreon, you'll get access to the monthly bonus episode. Uh, we did The Illusionist this month because uh, it ties a little bit into the prestige, I guess, mm-hmm. for, for the Nolan season. Uh, but we have a whole host that uh, we mentioned earlier uh, when we did the, the Turtles movies earlier in the year, we did the Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated film uh, and that was actually one of the surprisingly better movies we've done as a bonus episode to be honest we were quite into yeah. that I so you know check, check out the bonus episodes at the five dollar and up tier you get access to another bonus show monthly called the collector's cut extra reels where we do the worst of the worst so bad they're hopefully amazing but sometimes they are not uh we have done things like miami connection dangerous men we have done at least one neil breen film so far with more to come in the future uh, yeah. so it's a whole host of absurdity a lot of those mm. end up being available for free on things like tubi or pluto so uh or internet archive and things like that so they're usually mm. findable if you want to watch along and uh we don't usually suggest it no you no we don't but yeah so that's uh the second bonus show so there's like seven or eight of those now uh mm-hmm. so these back catalogs of bonus content keep building up and but mostly you get to support the show and help keep it coming uh so yeah do that and if you can't do that that's okay like subscribe ding the bell all those things help out as well on youtube uh very important so mm-hmm. that is the show thank you very much for joining us um and do you know what they avoided saying in this movie they avoided saying cowabunga mm-hmm.